0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at WestminsterEffects.com. And also make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook and join in the discussion. Bradley is out doing pastoral things today. Uh, So instead, joining me via the interwebs, we have... What do you mean?
1: What do you mean instead? Like I'm like... I don't know, man. I'm winging man, it. just give like me, a, me some slack. Like a sub in Bradley. Jeez. <laughs> well, regardless, <laughs> this is John Ross, um, Westminster Effects artist, grumpy church nerd, Augsburgian Christian, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so on from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am joined by my good friend, Lars Gallagher, who is the front of house and audio engineer for... Uh, 211 worship at Christ Lincoln. Um, so, uh, yeah, Lars. Hello. Uh, yeah. Hey. Hi.
0: Welcome thanks for having podcast. me here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So instead of Bradley, we have Lars there. There we go. Are you yeah. happy now? <laughs> I am so much happier.
1: I feel validated. Uh, you know, oddly enough, uh, for transparency uh, to our hundreds of listeners, uh, we, uh, we had more technical difficulties with, uh, the stream and, and everything today than I think we, we've ever had. We get the sound ever guy on and we've nothing ever works. Had. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a curse. So the, Lars, the reason we have you on today is, uh, is, you know, at, at the doxology podcast, we, we love to talk about not only the theology of worship, but the practice of worship as well. And, uh, and regardless of what flavor of, uh, of of worship a church uses whether it be ancient or modern sound reinforcement is super important along that uh, that entire spectrum, and so that's why we wanted to have you on today. Uh, but before we get into uh, some listener questions that we've gathered for you, um, kind of uh, your reflections on uh, on mixing for a a modernly voiced uh, worship band, uh, tell us about uh, about you your uh, your history in the audio world, your passions, what excites you, that sort of stuff.
2: Sure. Um... You know, I guess a little bit about me first. Um, Pardon me. Um, I have been, I'm married to my wife, Andy, or Andrea, um, and we have four kids, and um, just been blessed with a, you know, a a beautiful family. Um, That really does tie into the story for me, though, because um, prior to uh, starting a family, I played a lot in, um, you know, secular bands, and and, um, uh, at some point along the way... Really fell in love with the recording process um, as opposed to uh, actually playing or performing. Um, You know, I I think that's somewhat unique because, you know, nine out of 10 people really would rather play an instrument than spend time uh, manipulating sound, but that's kind of how I fell into it. Um, The challenge for me was when you, uh, you know, have a, a young family you can't really travel around in a band anymore. And so uh, my wife's mother was um, coming to 211, and she said, hey, they're looking for a sound guy or somebody that's familiar with it. And I I jumped in, and... Um, you know, I did some things and I must have done something right. And they, I, I, I've been here for, I don't know, eight, eight, eight plus years or so. You did something right once and yeah, you've been riding on that for the, for the rest of the
0: decade. But, don't, but, don't we
2: all? Yeah, but, but I, but I, I think that, I mean, that's really an important part of the story because it's been such a blessing for me because where I felt at a time in my life where, you know, playing music and uh, being in studios, that, kind of went away, um, you know, it was given yet in another area. Yeah, and absolutely. so, so that's, that's been the, probably one of the most exciting things for me personally, seeing that, uh, uh, God has given that to me or, or given me the ability to, you know, to do something I love and serve other people in a healthy environment along the way.
1: Yeah. And, and it should be, uh, it should be mentioned that, uh, that with very few exceptions. So so Lars is a scoutmaster as well, and uh, and so there are occasions where he's uh, he's out for jamborees. Is that
2: still the term? Is it, oh yeah, uh, just camp outs yeah, yeah, camps and all sorts of things that the scouts do.
1: You know, w- and with those exceptions, I mean Lars has been here every single Sunday. And every single Thursday, like with very, very few exceptions, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about volunteer dedication and volunteer excellence and, uh, and, you know, without massaging your ego, uh, too much, uh, you know, from my opinion, you know, Lars is definitely the, uh, uh, you're, you know, you're the, uh, example of that. Well, I appreciate and, uh, that. Yeah. You know, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show, uh, because it's so vitally important. Um, how do you find, uh. So we had a, a, a an opportunity recently uh to mess around with some gear with uh with our front of house system that kind of rejuvenated uh kind of your interest in uh in making things really good. Not that they weren't good, but really really good, a lot of refinement that really kind of sparked that fire again. Right. Um are you talking about the uh well, the R one thousand for one oh, the sure. reporting okay. unit. We've actually mentioned that on the on yeah. the show before. Is uh, is something we were excited to uh, to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you know, one thing that long term volunteers often see is uh, is kind of those ebbs and flows of of near burnout. And uh, you know, kind of walk us through what challenges you've had there. You know, being a very long term, very dedicated volunteer, and uh, some of the strategies or some of the events that you've used to your advantage to kind of pull you out of that.
2: Oh yeah, I think um, you know that's part of being uh, human is the burnout element. Yeah, you know, um, and there are you know uh, there are Thursday evenings or Sundays where hey there might be something else going on mm-hmm. and it's like gosh I can't I can't do that because I have an obligation here. So it does happen, and I would describe it as uh, kind of a it's like a roller coaster, you know, when you have high energy and you're into what you're doing, you're at the top and sometimes you're in the trough. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but back to what you were asking about, um, you know, I would describe, um, what, what we have our our sound system here is, um, being somewhat, uh, complicated, um, but I've spent a lot of time here recently doing a, a lot of reading, um, and you know, there's there are a couple of things like the R one thousand and some other things that have just been um, like, gosh, if if we can get this to work, then this is going to open up, you know, three different doors for us, and maybe I can go into a yeah, couple of those absolutely examples. So, so we've been sitting on uh, for I don't know a couple of years now, which is Kind of embarrassing to admit, but um, a Roland R one thousand, which is a basically a digital multi track recorder, and we pulled it out. We threw it in the rack by the board, and and the idea is if we can, um, uh, if we can record rehearsals, or if we can record you know live, um, you know services on Sunday, that's going to give us a couple of uh, abilities. And one is we can play back. That rehearsal or that uh, or that service, um, it's. I think it's a learning tool for some of our musicians where we can do that on an individual basis. So if there's some things musically that they need to work on, it doesn't have to be broadcast in front of the entire band and nobody is going to feel attacked. We can take the time to say, "Hey, these are some things I noticed," and you can find a time to play it back with that person. Where there's not an audience, I think that may be a good way uh, to approach it. Sometimes,
1: yeah, I I definitely agree. I mean, reflecting on my history, uh, I mean, so your your son plays uh, plays cello as well. Oh yeah, and And, piano and yeah, and he's uh, he's fantastic, like almost a savant. Like he's 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 pretty gosh darn good. Kind of disgusting. Yeah, a little bit um but you know he's uh, he's a good kid he let me play his cello so that was cool i still remembered some but john looks you know, really funny with a, a half size cello, cello. <laughs> <laughs> the uh um so reflecting back so i was a i was a cellist from fourth grade um through high school um at, at least through the school orchestra program and reflecting back on that one thing that is very analogous uh to to what you just described uh where rather than just sitting down in in rehearsal and playing what you did and then go back. We would have our own quote homework and we call them excerpts. And so, what we would do is we would uh, play and record uh, an excerpt from a piece of music that were kind of our you know our quarterly progress reports so to speak or or progress metrics. And then we would have a one-on-one conversation with our with our director our, our conductor. Uh, who would uh, Who would constructively critique us and say where we could improve um, individually our own instrumental voice um, you know separated from the rest of the orchestra not only uh, sonically uh, but also socially as well, so that there 's not that call out sort of situation that can be really difficult not only in school but but also in in a band uh, full of uh, uh, mostly grown ups and uh, <laughs> and you know that's a relative term yeah, yeah that's the truth um but you know that was super uh, that was super helpful uh then as far as refining at the time my craft so to speak so yeah i can definitely yeah. echo the values in
2: that well and i i think one thing that comes along with that that as an opportunity just in this example is um you know without it it's really just me saying, Hey, this was off or this sounded this way. It's an opinion. But if I have, uh, you know, recorded it and I can play it back, it's not me telling that person it was off. It's, it's the recording telling that person. Yeah. And then, you know, the other opportunity with that, that I wanted to get in here was, uh, um, I can, um, with that unit, I can come in on my, uh, on my own time when it's convenient to me, I can, I can have a virtual rehearsal, and I don't need a band here. I don't need anybody, any right. musicians here, which is amazing because um, you know I can sit here and take the time that I need to you know mix the sound, which that's really tough to do with volunteer musicians, and we only have you know an hour and a half, two hours on a yeah. Thursday night. So the, you know it's it's just little things like that that I would say renew when I make discoveries like that. Um, it renews my excitement and my energy for for wanting to to, to be here, um, and I think that's important. I think the only way to accomplish, uh, uh, you know, those discoveries is by constantly having a desire to learn more things about the art and science of of how sound works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's definitely a unique. Thing where those two things have to be married. So
1: on that, you nerded out recently about something that was uh, kind of outside of your area of expertise. Uh, you you picked up a, a little gadget uh, a couple days ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, tell us tell us about about that. You know, sure, sure. So so we have a, a sermon series coming up that uh, you know. Uh, We have some auxiliary drums that we'll say, um, you know, on stage in addition to the regular uh, drum set. And, you know, that that presents it. It always presents its own set of challenges. But uh, I I just got a wild hair and I thought, you know what? I'm not a drummer, (laughs) self-admittedly hand raised. I'm not a drummer, but um, but I love tuning drums I'm not. I'm, I'm not really great at it, <laughs> but I thought you know what? Um, I, I found this thing, and many of you out there listening probably have know about it. It's called a TuneBot Studio. So I went and picked one up. It was about a hundred bucks, and just you know, it took me about five minutes to read the manual. But I was really impressed um, for somebody who isn't a drummer, uh, the time-saving aspect of it. And again, it it, it allowed me to see the science behind how do you tune a drum.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: That's what I got excited about is I clip this thing on and, you know, you can see the the lug uh, frequencies Mm -hmm. and then you see the fundamental frequencies and you know at least... At least scientifically, this drum is tuned, and then how does it sound? Yeah, I mean, with, without a
1: tool like that, I mean, you're going around to each lug and making sure, based upon your own sensitivity between frequencies, yeah. how close it is. Yeah. Um, there was a, a YouTube video uh, with, uh, I think it was Rob Scallion and Andy Huang and a few other uh, YouTube uh, producers and musicians where they uh, kind of did a musician challenge to see, you know what uh you know they check for perfect pitch and see how long they could hold rhythm outside of a click track and mm-hmm. uh, and one was uh, how much disparity between two frequencies can they detect and I mean for people who have made their living in music there is even a spectrum so a tool like that could be really awesome yeah, uh, yeah. I mean from the wow. pragmatic standpoint alone but the nerdiness of it is is cool just the same
2: the nerdiness is the
1: best part yeah i mean so this uh this this sermon series this for king and, so the sermon series is based off a um uh four songs written by a band called for king and country uh, pretty much everybody uh, is probably familiar with that group uh the uh musical styling or the uh oh uh, the execution of that so to speak is done in a theme of uh, some of their youtube videos called the live room sessions and in that they're they're in a live room studio and they flip flop around between different instruments and they have tambourines and you know multiple sets of drums and different you know, instrumental voices going on um and so along with that you know we've uh, uh we've kind of modified our stage layout uh you know, we uh, we have added those auxiliary drums on a, on a platform. We moved the keyboard actually into a gutted out uh, piano. Uh, so I, I, you know, we found a, a free piano on Craigslist. We gutted it and shoved our our Korg uh, uh, <laughs> one of those, those up, uprights that were
0: <clears throat> falling apart anyway.
1: And it actually wasn't too bad, other than that it was like just honey mustard yellow like it was goodness it was like 70s and the guy was like i just wanted out of here and so i'm sure there were many musicians around lincoln who walked up to the bed of my busted up old truck and just saw a bunch of piano keys and piano hammers just laying inside of the truck bed for the last two weeks and they're like what manner of terrible thing has happened here (laughs) gosh he he must have had a real hard time getting that in tune (laughs) so when i picked it up uh you know i wanted to make sure that it didn't like fall out of the bed of the truck and so we just we laid it on its back because i didn't care about tuning well the way that the the hammers and strings were organized and or arranged in this thing every time i hit a bump on my way back to the church the piano would play itself so i opened the back window on my pickup it was like having an old like steamboat calliope playing behind me (laughs) going down the road it was fantastic um, yeah, we've, we've done some other cool things, too. Uh, we've, uh, we've introduced... Um, so one of the songs we're doing this Sunday is Real Love by Hillsong Young and Free. And, and those of you who are familiar with that know that there's that, that vocal sample uh, that has a, a very prominent part in that song. Uh, we, uh, we took some time and we, we edited the stems and, and pulled out those samples and, uh, and attached them uh, using UltraBeat within main stage to be triggered by a MIDI drum pad and uh, kind of just threw that at you um, as, uh, as something that we didn't really have before rehearsal. And we plugged it in maybe 30 minutes before rehearsal and said, hey, Lars, put this in the mix. Yeah. How do you adapt to changes like that?
2: You know, uh, <laughs> be willing to... <clears throat> I think it's just being willing to experiment. Um, I'll be honest, when I, you know, I, I, when I saw that, <clears throat> that MIDI pad, or, you know, that sample yeah. pad, my initial thought was, why you know why why uh why do, but um you know and then i played around, <clears throat> excuse me i played around with it a little bit and and those pads are touch sensitive mm-hmm. right so you know somebody playing it it might introduce you know some some differences and uh or, or take away from consistency at least for that part right yeah, it's more dynamic yeah. than, than the stem would have been so my initial reaction was you know, is this is this necessary? Uh, but I didn't say anything, and mm-hmm. I think that's the important part. I think it was just okay. Well, let's let's see how it sounds. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. you gave it an honest uh, an honest yeah. chance right from the go. But where I'm going with this is when we actually got into that song, I liked it better than the way we normally do it. Yeah, because um, well, one, I think it was stripped down and there was less going on, uh, so that so that you know those parts can stand out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just a reminder to me that there's no substitute for the human element when it comes to music, even though you're just hitting a couple of pads. Yeah, and, and I just, I, I just, I don't know. I think the answer to that question is just you have to be willing and open to experiment uh, with with really anything. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, have the courage to scrap it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: So, okay. I mean, one so, thing that uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So I was so I was gonna say like, whether it's getting thrown uh, a MIDI thing thirty minutes beforehand, or recording rehearsals and actual church services, and having the ability to say, "Hey, you screwed these things up," or obviously nicer than that, Um, but having the critiques um, that involves a significant amount of trust. Uh, I see oh, a lot yeah. of threads. I see a ton of threads in the different uh, P Dubs guitar groups. Of man, the sound guy, you know, just never pulls me up in the mix, and people always tell me that they can't hear me. How do I address this kind of thing, um, or or any number of other things? Of of if you're saying, hey, turn your amp up, turn your amp down, that overdrive pedal is too loud or too soft or whatever. Um, I even think of. Uh, in in my days of playing in metal bands there's a venue here uh where um i'll censor one of the stories that can actually still carry how funny it is so (laughs) um so for example there's a venue around here that used to have a sound guy who was renowned uh for showing up half drunk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was. He was also on the show Moonshiners. If that tells you anything, oh, um, there we go. So, so this guy would show up. Hashtag South Carolina. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he would show up, pretty much already inebriated. And I remember one time, and this is the one that I can censor and it still carry carry the humor of the story. Is my band gets up, and the band that was going to go on after us for whatever reason. Their drummer just went ahead and set up all of his stuff right in front of the sound desk, and it was like, it was just this enormous kit. It was ridiculous, and the guy gets on the talkback. Like dream Mike, bef- theater at a bar. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. And uh, before he starts addressing us, he just gets on the talkback mic and goes, "Who's playing tonight? F and poison." <laughs> <laughs> Just and that's that's the cleanest story I have about him. <laughs> so obviously, I never trusted him. I would always double check to make sure where he placed my mic on my amp, all that kind of stuff. So how do you, Lars, go about uh, procuring that trust out of your uh, out of your band?
2: Because yeah, um. in, or-
0: in order to say those things, they have to trust you. Absolutely,
2: and um, you know, I think that's something that maybe um, hopefully I feel like I've earned over time. I, I think that maybe sometimes, yeah, that, you know that that just takes time. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if there's anybody that plays here that that if we asked them, um, I think everyone would say, You know, any anything Lars says or any feedback that he gives, it's because he's trying to make it better. I think I I honestly believe that that most people would say that. Now, do I feel like I'm the most tactful person in the world? Not all at all times. In fact, um, you know, I think sometimes I'm my own worst critic in my own head. When I, you know, I say something to somebody and then I walk away and think, gosh. Maybe I should have said that differently. Oh, well, yeah. But I it's, mean, it's usually after after rehearsal, I mean,
1: you 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 know, we we always <laughs> stay late, and then you know, we walk maybe, out together. Maybe and I, like, shouldn't hey, I shouldn't have asked if was playing.
2: But but maybe I shouldn't have asked if was playing. That 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 feeling is usually a bigger deal to me in my own head than it is to the person mm-hmm. I said it to. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but going back to something you said though too about you know people saying, "Hey, uh, I can't hear this person; they're too quiet," or "Can you turn me up in the mix?" You know. Um, this is a personal philosophy that I think is important. If you have a whole band playing up there, um, especially if they're, you know, uh, I would say not, not professional musicians, but, um, you know, just they, they play frequently, but they, they've never been paid to play. You know yeah. what I mean? If, if, if it's that kind of a scenario, um, you're going to get from time to time maybe somebody who's singing uh, a vocal and it's pitchy. Or uh, um, especially, I'd say with vocals, I feel like it's my job as the sound guy to somewhat protect that person. Um, And I think I think this is something that gets overlooked a lot because if if, And now I can't really do that with a lead part, but if there's a backing vocal um, and and they're way off, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the average number of people here on in in one service per Sunday? Four or five hundred? Oh yeah, easy. And so I, I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm singing and if I'm way off, I would want a little bit of protection. I wouldn't want to be, um, you know, sounding not great in front of that many people. So I think um, I, I've, I've, I've even said that to some of our, our vocalists. Hey, if, you, if, you're, if you're off and it's, you know, getting to that unbearable point, I'm going to pull you down. And it's not because I don't like you or don't like what you're singing. It's I'm trying to protect you a little bit. So I think I think that's yeah. uh, an important job of a sound guy is to protect the musicians, um, and then you know you can use that R one thousand to say, hey, this is what I was talking about. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, I mean, th- think about
1: it from a uh, uh, a guitarist who breaks a string in the middle of a song. You know, if you're gonna pl- if you're playing lead parts, I mean, obviously you're going to avoid that string. You mm-hmm. know, or or if a string's woefully out of tune, I mean, you're not going to stop the song to tune in the middle of it. Uh, you know one thing that uh you know that I think I've shared uh, probably on the show before and definitely shared with you is that you know I see uh, the mixing console as an instrument uh you know of its own accord uh, where uh, yeah. you have uh, you have all of these other instruments coming into it uh, but then it's your job to then play the board um, as as kind of that final step uh before
2: the sound is then amplified sometimes the board plays you. <laughs> <laughs> In Mother Russia, <laughs> soundboard plays you. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> um, you know that's uh, you know, and and that's something that you know we've discussed uh, we've discussed quite a bit uh, between between Lars and I is uh, uh, you know how do we you know as all equal volunteers I mean you know none of us is on staff or outranks one another. Um, sure, there's there's those of us who have have some leadership roles. Uh, but how do we, you know, tactfully, constructively, lovingly um, say, "Hey, you know, you got to work hey, on this." Hey, you suck. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: that would that would fall into the non-tactful category, <laughs> right? <laughs> um,
1: yeah. That's that's when he pulls up the talkback mic and says something, but he doesn't actually turn it on. You know, yeah. Just just so he has that just just on the <laughs>
2: makes, he's makes, just
0: makes on sense. the on the cliff of it's uh, like those it's like those times uh, you you uh, you pound out a really snarky Facebook comment and then you're like ah better not but that felt yeah, really good <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know you know control a delete and you know move on yep um, yep so. Over over all of this time, what have uh, you know? So, kind of a twofold question before we move on to our special uh, sound engineer inquisition. Uh, oh before we get into the actual inquisition, um, what are um, some of the challenges among what you know above and beyond what you've already discussed, and uh, some of the things that have excited you most uh, over your entire uh, kind of uh, hobbyist, volunteer, part time gig? As uh,
2: as a sound engineer, as
1: a recording aficionado,
2: Uh, biggest challenge and things that excite me the most. Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know the the biggest challenge that I see, at least for us here, is um, it's the one thing you can't make any more of. It's time. Yeah, you know, we we have rehearsals on Thursday uh you know, from roughly 6.30 to 8.30, maybe sometimes 9. But that's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of time to, um you know, really dig in, especially when you have a, ro- a, a rotating cast of musicians yeah. from one week to the next with, you know, different levels of playing ability, different instruments, um, all sorts of variables that change on a weekly basis. <clears throat> so... That's, I think, our uh, uh, biggest challenge. Um, And balancing, uh, I mean, I'd come in here, John, you know this, I'd come in here and play all day long every day. Oh, yeah but uh I don't know if my wife would be too crazy about that idea because, <laughs> Or your employer or my employer yeah. right. I can definitely uh, echo those things yeah. so so it's a balance um how do i um how do I feel good about the time I'm spending here and and I think uh well again back to the scouts thing, do your best right yeah you, know, you do the best you can with the time you got um but what I get most excited about is that um it is uh I feel like from a sound perspective, I live in a world where one, I'm never going to know it all. I'm never going to be perfect at everything. There's an endless stream of things that I will continue learning. That's never going to run out. And I think when I, you know, when I continue to, um, uh, just, you know, the, these, these ideas pop into the head and it's like, gosh, if I, if we could accomplish that, that's going to allow us to do this and this and this, and that just never stops. And I think that's I think that that is um, you know uh, an important thing for um, not just the sound guy but even the musicians is that constant pursuit of excellence. And we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Notice yes, we, do we do. yeah. yeah no, I mean, notice we didn't say constant pursuit of perfection. Yeah. Constant pursuit of excellence. How can we How can we walk away uh, after the service knowing that that We couldn't have done that any better. If we can achieve that every week, then that's kind of the goal. Yeah. So I guess that's what I get most excited about is um, it's not, you know, I love gear. I love, um, you know, nerding out as we say. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's more um, uh, just really love that, um, you know, uh, how, how one door leads to three more. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean,
1: we've we've gone from the R1000 to uh, to firmware to uh, serial cables and you know yeah. all sorts of yeah. stuff uh, just in the matter of a couple of weeks. So one thing uh for uh, uh for uh especially for Cody's benefit is uh you know Lars you and I uh, kind of uh, have an amalgamation of our of our pedal boards um so <laughs> to speak. Um and uh you know you're familiar with with my with with the board. What is your favorite Westminster effects pedal on that board?
2: Oh man, um, <laughs> you, can, you,
1: you can use you can use the colors or, or artwork, and, and we can translate that into uh,
2: man, you into the put name. Just him
0: on the spot.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, I like the uh, the the blue one with Luther's rose. That really pulls at my heartstrings. Yeah. You know, again, I know earlier uh, Calcidon Dual Reverb, yeah, the, I, I the was, very first one, the yep, very first one. Dual Reverb. Yeah. Yep. And and I got to say, you know, John has shared with me the um, maybe some of the the stories about the uh, the Chick Delay. Yes. Yes. I yes. just think that that is. Um, Awesome and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's just—it's such a great—it's such a great story, and I and I love I love love the the tongue and cheek humor. The, uh, Thank you, Oh Oh yes, that's, that's so good. <laughs> you mean, uh, I'm surprised, and, you- and, and 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 I don't know if I am supposed to say this, but the Nam thing, yeah, is that okay? I mean, we, I won't go into detail, but yeah. but I just think that it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess there was a conversation being had, and uh, the guy was taking it all in for five an, ten an, minutes, an on
0: right? an ongoing conversation still. Ah, so okay. there's okay. there's still okay. some contact. So. Yeah, to, I to just, uh, you know leave innocent parties out of it you know like right, nameless right. and whatnot so <laughs> of course yeah, of course there's still conversations
2: no, I just I hey what do they say there's uh, no bad publicity yeah I suppose
3: <laughs> uh,
1: I suppose you're right, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Cody is there anything else that uh, that you'd like to ask uh, ask Lars uh, yourself to kick off our sound engineer inquisition uh, uh, I mean my my question. 59.
0: Yeah, my question a few minutes ago pretty much covered it. So let's uh, let's just start with Brian Morris's question. Why is my FOH volunteer terrible at sound? Can you fix him? Does he need to be recalibrated uh. or updated?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> is there a port on the back of the head like in the Matrix? No, I <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, you know, that <clears throat> I I you know, I, I know kind of how the setup is here, but I know there's a lot of churches where um, you know maybe they have people that come in that they know how to turn the board on, they know how to push faders up and down, and you know, and that's about where it stops. Um, you're always go- you're always gonna I think have mediocre sound if uh, if if there's um, limited if there's a limited knowledge. So the challenge I think is. Um, uh, I think it comes, the, the person behind the board has to be somebody that, um, one, if they don't have the experience or the knowledge, they've got to be willing to get it. Whether that's reading, um, uh, re, you know, finding things online, reading books, reading magazines, just any absorbing anything and everything they can about sound and then trying it out. Um, I, I think that that is step one. It's hard to find those people. It's hard to find people that. Um, I mean, I'm sure reading about, you know, how to how to do sound is a lot like people reading about how to do your taxes, you know, <laughs> which
1: you're familiar with as well. Well, yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> yep. but
2: um, you know, I, I think that uh, the person behind the board has to have a love for it, or or they're you know. The, and and that's just something that that can't uh, you you know it's hard to find. And the other the other aspect to it too is there's you know again there's the 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 musical or the artistic side of of doing sound where you have to know yeah. what sounds good, what doesn't sound good. Um, but then there's the scientific or the logical side of it okay, how do I fix that? How does sound work? And what wh- what are what are the things I should do on the soundboard or in the sound system to, to make that sound better? Um, most of the people that walk into a church and volunteer for sound are going to not have naturally um, a lot of those characteristics, and it's just going to take a ton of time. So I think there's a lot of patience that's involved. But I don't know if that helps. Yeah, I mean, I I think
1: that like the three things that that I would encourage um, any individual to focus on are what I consider outside of uh, of just volume and and mixing to be like the kind of the big three for sound engineering is gain staging. Oh yeah, compression and equalization. Yeah, I mean those three things. If you can start to get go in the direction of understanding um, the concepts and the execution behind those three things. I, you know, and I'd I'd, get to a better spot.
2: I'd throw one thing in even before all that is, uh, and and this is what gets overlooked here. I think sometimes it's making sure that the instrument sounds good Uh, Yes, before even gain staging. Yeah. I mean, lipstick on a pig, right? Yeah. Yeah. Making, you know, and and (coughs) again, with the time thing, we got people that roll in, set their pedal board down, plug it in, turn the amp on, got good volume up. I'm off to the races, Yeah, you know? Um, So that, that's a challenge. But again, you know, I hate to keep, plug in the R1000, but you know, if, if for somebody, for a new engineer coming in saying, Hey, I want to, I want to volunteer. I want to run sound, record a couple of rehearsals, have some raw material for that person where they can come in on their own time, hit play, and they got the whole band there and maybe do that with a more seasoned or, or experienced engineer where they can, um, you know, say, Hey, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. And here's why mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to almost create, um, like a little, Classroom, yes, setting. I think for somebody that is brand new, maybe not, you know, somebody that somebody that doesn't really have any experience.
1: You know, that kind of uh, that kind of really brings on another question that was submitted: is how do you go about training a new front of house volunteer?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know. <laughs> That's th- That one, I have thoughts and comments, of course, but it's hard for me to... I mean, we, we've never done that. We've never done that, <laughs> I've <yeah>. been here <laughs> for like eight years. I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, Might as well just bolt you to the rack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and again, you know, I mean, we're tying some different things in here, but the burnout factor, there have been times where it's like, gosh, it really would be nice to have you know, uh, a little more depth in the depth charts from a from the front of house perspective. You yeah. know, um, but in in eight eight years or so, we've never had anybody walk in the door saying, "Hey, I want to do sound." Yeah.
0: You know, so um,
2: that's just, that's one of the
0: interesting things about about churches is no matter what church you're talking about, you're going to have a shortfall somewhere. You know, Mm -hmm. with with us at at Res, we have roughly two hundred and fifty people a Sunday, and you know, we're we have a couple of electric guitarists and that's pretty much it. But we have three or four people who are capable of running sound well. Oh wow. (laughs) Yeah, but but we're short on electric guitarists. (laughs) Whereas you at Christ Lincoln, you know, you've got a sound guy (laughs) plus you know myriad other musicians because you know I would assume part of that has to do with you just have more to pull from, and that's okay, yeah. I mean,
2: uh, you know, I think most people, if they want to get involved, at least here, it's been my experience, everybody wants to play, everybody, yeah. um, everybody wants to, uh, you know. And it's not it's not for their own glorification. It's just maybe that's been their background. Is maybe they play an instrument? Yeah, it's their natural fit for sure. You know? Right. Um, I. Um, it's just that you know we we haven't had a lot of uh, uh, people with with sound reinforcement experience. Walking in in the door well hey maybe i mean maybe it's because they're still passed out from the show the night
1: before <laughs> i mean like if you're loading out at two thirty a.m i yeah. mean you're, yeah you're gonna be hard pressed to yeah. to make it to church the next morning um so that uh, hopefully that answers Drew. Uh, Drew Smizer, your, uh, your question as well about the most effective ways to train a new front of house volunteer is uh, have an opportunity for them to be able to work on their skill um, outside of a rehearsal or a service uh, you know, where the cost of, of, of learning is, is higher. Which would be a situation where, like a multi-track recorder, you know, could be that could play back through individual channels on the on the on the mixing desk could be a a good benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, Next question, which uh, I think you've uh, you've had to address here, and this comes from who we call Padre Fields and Cody's dad. Oh, okay. uh, Stan uh, is uh, uh, definitely a friend of the show; has been a, a regular guest. Uh, has his own podcast all seven days, which we'll plug here in a in a few moments. But his question is: How do you balance the complaints of "quote it's too loud" with "quote turn it up"? Not the Planet Shakers song, right? Uh, what <laughs> pressure would be relieved from the sound engineers if the church set a formal decibel range policy?
2: Oh, I I love this question. I think it's a I think it's a fantastic question. Um, you know. I think that there's a there's a, there's a lot there's a lot going on in that question. Um, so I'll try and dissect it a little bit. But I think that I think that the church itself um, has to have. I think they have to have some sort of of uh, of decibel policy. They have to they have to as a church know. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to accomplish on Sundays. This is our style. This is what you should expect when you come here to worship. This is, you know, this is what we do. Yeah. The church and the sound guy, especially, they have to know that they're not going to please everybody. They have to know that, that um, um, You know, music and and sound and 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 that just the environment is very subjective. It's going to hit one person way different than it's going to hit another person. And no doubt about that. Yeah. So I think that that you know, in order to, I mean, that's the that's the, in my opinion, the only way to even attempt to satisfy everybody is by having some sort of formal policy. Here, I self-admittedly, I mean. I I like I you know I think sound guys like to make it loud and punchy and you know I mean that's just uh, I, I I think if if I'm not careful sometimes I notice that oh, it cre- it cre- man it, yeah. it's getting loud in here I mean we've got a killer system <laughs> and it can go a lot louder than I know uh, I'd uh, I'd love to max it out you know, it's, but, kinda, uh, <laughs> it's like it's like driving a sixty seven uh, Camaro <laughs> and saying hey the speed limit's forty five yeah you know <laughs> um you know and so I think that there's got to be a policy, and, and along with that, you know, your that's not going to stop people from coming up and saying it's too loud or turn it up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to continue. But um, I think that uh, you have to have support from your your pastoral leadership or whoever you know has a little bit more authority as far as what's the style. I think yep. they have to be willing to back you up as the sound guy um, and, and maybe explain in a loving way to those people that this is. This is where we this is what it's gonna be sure. and why.
0: You um, know, I think it's I think it's also important to note uh whatever decibel range you set is it's Sunday worship is meant to be congregational. So you should right. probably be able to hear yourself <laughs> if yeah. if you're in the congregation yeah. and yep. singing. Yeah. Where I've I've been in situations yep. where it's just like there's no way. Like I'm gonna have to blow out my throat to hear myself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, you know, you actually reminded me of something. The the room that we're in, I I I would say when when they built this space, I don't know if acoustics was really a primary or even a secondary concern. No, it doesn't seem to be such. No, I mean it's a. No, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful and for what we have. Oh yeah but, but uh, a, i mean it's a wonderful space as far as buildings and, and capabilities go to hold people yeah. and to do what we do yeah. but but it's challenging from an acoustical standpoint yeah. so um just to put that in perspective in it, it, when it's quiet in here the noise floor in this room is about 65 decibels that's when it's that's when there's nobody in and there's nothing else going nothing on else. it's about 65 um i, I we we try not to have, um, you know, an average decibel level, uh, above, I'd say 92 sure. is probably the ceiling. Now you might have peaks that go above yeah, that, but yeah. the average, you know, ninety-one, ninety-two, somewhere in there, that's not a lot of dynamic range. No, And so that, that's, that's a challenge, um, at least here, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you know. Back with that question, you you just have to. Um, oh, one thing we do here too is um, we do have uh, for people that do come up and say, "Hey, it's too loud." Um, one, I know that I'm going to have backup from the pastors if, yep. if it's not out of control. Yeah if, it, yeah, if I'm where I need to be, I'm I'm good. But we also have, uh, and this is going to sound funny, but we have those foam earplugs available. Mm-hmm. So if it is too much for somebody, uh, but they maybe are with their family, I mean, we, we, we don't want people to feel like, hey, I, I, you know, I'm going to have to go to the audiologist and check my hearing out yeah. <laughs> after I leave church. <laughs> we don't want people to feel like they're damaging their hearing, but, you know, so we do try to accommodate uh, yeah. and, and at least make it comfortable for people. Yeah,
1: absolutely, you know, finding that, finding that balance.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: that's, uh, there, there is one more Inquisition sure. question, um, it is from uh, Larry Boating or or Betting, depending on how he pronounces his uh, his last name. And uh, it's when there's a part of a song uh, that uh, has a lead part in it, whether it be you know, keys or guitar solo or something. Um, do you prefer to ride the fader uh, for situations like that, or rely on the musician to boost their own volume?
2: Oh boy, I think it. it, it... It really depends. I I do I do tend to ride faders quite a bit. Um, I, I I would describe the way that I run the soundboard as being very active. Sure, I move around a lot. I um, things change from one song to the next, so I don't think there's anything wrong with riding faders. Um, y- you know, I, I I think if it's set up. In my opinion, the way it should be, regardless of of what you do on on the board, fader wise, up, you know, if you're, it shouldn't affect what that musician is hearing in their own monitor or their own in ears. However, you do it, they should still, I mean, they're, they're the feel to them should remain unchanged. And so, I think that that allows you to the liberty to. Um, you know, to, to move the faders as you see fit. To serve the song, to serve the yep. congregation. Yep. Yep. What does the song need? Um, uh, you know, there there are, uh, um, I talk with this uh, with one of our guitarists a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he has a, a a volume or an expression pedal or whatever you want to call it for in his guitar, um, his pedal board, and he likes to do a lot of swells Yep. but to the point sometimes where he's pulling back on that volume so much that it completely cuts out the signal at the board and I have nothing to work with. Um, so I, I think you've had some conversations with him mm-hmm. recently, just, Hey, it doesn't take a whole lot on that volume pedal. You know, it may sound cause you know, it may sound funny in, in his ears. Um, but we're, again, we're working on some of those, uh, monitoring things yeah. as we speak. And it's, I mean there's there's probably 4 or 5 big significant things that you and I are trying to tackle right now mm-hmm. and um uh so it's well yeah I mean plug for the
1: sh- plug for the uh uh for the brand here um, one of the solutions to uh, to that that guitarist's uh, issue was that he was running a split out of his, uh, out of his volume pedal to go to his tuner because he like his tun- likes his tuner to be always on. Mm-hmm. Well, those of us uh, who've, who've tried that before or, or know how audio works is that, uh, that you lose a lot there, uh, especially yep. in the form of, uh, of amplitude and high-end. And, uh, and so I gave him one of my, uh, my spare Westminster Regeneration buffers, which I believe is moved under the nose yep. brand. Uh, yeah, moved around the nose. Um, and put it right in front of the volume pedal, <laughs> And his jaw dropped. It was like this is so much better than than anything that I I had previously. Yeah. And you know we had that discussion about you know buffers versus true bypass. And he's like I just always thought true bypass was better. I'm like, well, you always thought wrong, bro. <laughs> um, you know don't uh, don't argue with Brian Wampler and Josh Scott. I mean those are words to live by. Um, so, Cody, you want to take us into our, uh, our break? We'll, uh, we'll come back with the Inquisition, and uh, we'll yep. round yep. out the show.
0: Sweet. Let's do
1: it.
3: Once I read a book, and this is what it said, If your music has a beat, then you're going to wind up dead. It doesn't really matter if it's Christian or not. If it's syncopated rhythm, then your soul is going to rot. And this book was called...
0: Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? join the discussion on all these topics and more on the all seven days podcast where stan who also happens to be my dad and trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters subscribe to the all seven days podcast today on apple google spotify overcast or your other favorite podcast listening platform and check out all seven So, I'm going to start this inquisition uh, with a corrective question, or a corrective answer to a question from uh, Matt Paragoy, with Major League Baseball finally playing a game on the Field of Dreams, does this fulfill the prophecy of James Earl Jones, if you build it, they will come? Is this a sign of the end times? Uh, Matt, to correct (laughs) your question, the quote is, if you build it, he will come. Uh, Just like how Darth Vader's infamous, I am your father, was not prefaced by Luke, it was prefaced by no, and then went on to, I I am your father. father, Yeah, Yeah. so it's, if you build it, he will come. Uh, That's an important question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dyersville, Iowa, good stuff. Uh, So let's move on to uh, Kyle Daly. Go Red Sox. (laughs) Oh, you're killing me. Oh. Man, well, that, there went this show. Yeah, Did we right? just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> we we have the, uh, here in Greenville, like, obviously in the southeast, it's kind of Braves country, but we have the right. Greenville Drive, the your, your single-A team. And, uh, the worst, worst minor league name on the planet. Uh, but anyway, that created so many bandwagon Red Sox fans when they came around. Like uh. <laughs> I just I'm still bitter, uh so anyway, yeah. Kyle Daly says hearing songs say things like Heaven comes to earth doesn't make much sense to me. The one that triggered this question is even louder by Stephen Malcolm. Here is the line in question: when I lift my voice, heaven comes to earth, when I sing this song, I feel you respond, uh elaborate, please, <laughs> <laughs> oh my, yeah so this is this is one of those uh really common things in worship music these days uh, often associated with things like the word of faith movement and the new apostolic new reformation talk
1: Reformation um,
0: which is uh it really only lives up to one of those words being new it is neither apostolic in the truest sense <laughs> nor, nor reformation nor reformation um yeah, it, it, and it's and it's very influenced by the New Age movement. So go look up uh, the most recent Apologia radio where they had a couple of ladies who have converted to Christianity away from the New Age mov- movement, and you will see that uh, this kind of stuff is normally influenced by such thinking.
1: Yeah. As far as the, uh, the theological constructs, uh, you know, b- behind that, um, and without diving into it too far and taking up uh, uh, too much time, because this could be um, an entire
0: episode just on its own.
1: Oh, abs- a- absolutely! I mean, we we must keep in mind that nothing we can do is fall into depraved sinners, uh, whether it be opening our mouth and singing or uh, or, or anything can bring. Uh, heaven to earth, so to speak. It is uh, by God's will alone uh, yes. that He is what that He does what He pleases and acts in the life of men to His good pleasure and glory. Um, now, could you artistically spin Heaven comes to Earth uh, for things like uh, like Christmas or or Advent? Sure. I mean, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, "Thy Kingdom come." Uh, yep. You know that uh, that God would be. Um, you know, that not, not that God would be present and active because he certainly is, but that we would recognize that and give him glory for that. So, um, you know, if it's something that, uh, if it's a song lyric that you have a problem with, uh, whether it be Kyle or or anyone else, um, if it's something that can be explained reasonably well to the congregation before or after singing, preferably before and used as an instructional moment without completely derailing the gospel or anything else, I mean, that's fine. Um, but keep in mind that one of our, our responsibilities is uh, just like, uh, Lars, you protect the vocalists when they're a bit off key. You know, it's it's our job to protect our congregations as well as leaders in the church uh, and and to do so by the measure of Scripture.
0: You know, the, the lyric in there that I actually like the least is, when I sing this song, I feel you respond. yeah. Uh,
1: we yeah, are, I, I kind of left that one alone. Yeah, we, we mean, don't worship G- God Jesus in was order my boyfriend. A, music. Yeah, uh, well,
0: we we don't worship God in order to get a feeling.
1: Yeah, you know, faith is not a feeling. Hashtag that.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, moving on. It can. Uh, yeah. Yep. Get a, get get away from that. That's that's overdone. <laughs> with. Dead horse. Horse is dead. Yes. Um, Nick Boychuk. If Satan isn't an omnipresent being, why do most evangelicals assume that we are individually being tempted by Satan himself? That's a good question
1: Cartoons I don't know Cartoons Little, yeah. little, little devil on your shoulder You know, hunched over nar- nar- <laughs> Narcissism
0: You are yeah. so important That the, yeah. the great Satan himself uh, Had to come and tempt you That is how important yeah. I mean, you are
1: uh, You know, demons uh, Demons are active It's yep. it's a thing that that is uh, uh, that, that exists in our fallen world and, uh, uh, but Satan himself, pitchfork, forked tail, you know, Dave Grohl from the Tenacious D movie, that whole thing. Um, yeah, no, nah, he's, uh, he, 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 he's elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, Drew Smizer, what's the most awkward or distracting thing you've seen happen during worship? <laughs> I mean, I shared mine a couple
1: of weeks ago when I ran my, uh, when I told the story of, remember when I ran my acoustic when I was using the pod and I, I had my acoustic up and I uh, I put on like a JCM 800 patch or something and <laughs> just squealed for, <laughs> squealed for mercy. So I shared that last week. What about you, Lars?
2: Oh, man. Um, this would have been years ago. I, I don't know how many years ago. Let's just say, gosh. This might have been in the first two years of me, you know, being active here at, at church, but there was one Sunday where our regular worship leader wasn't able to be here, and and we we oh, always I think I know this yeah, story. Probably, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> this is a good one.
2: This is a good one. Uh, you know, we we always try to bring people into the band uh, just to create a, 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 an atmosphere of inclusion. Yeah, um, and you know just try to have more more musical um what's the word i'm looking for diversity yeah there you go um so I, I i obviously i'm not gonna name any names but we had a younger kid he was probably towards the end of his high school career at that okay. point mm-hmm. and he came in and uh uh you know he could play decently well he could play instruments but uh, uh, just vocally couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and it was a big learning moment because, okay, we got through our Thursday thing. It was like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work. We Didn't really have any other options when Sunday rolled around, so I threw them up there. Um, we always run through the songs before the first service. Yep. It, wasn't, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And uh, even to the point where the pastor at that point said, gosh, we've got to figure something out. So awkward, awkward, awkward. Um, I grabbed a microphone. I patched it into his spot. And I sang the songs from the soundboard <laughs> and, he, and he and he was up there singing like you know singing into a microphone, obviously, the mic wasn't live, and he was playing. I mean, he had to know that that wasn't his voice, and the congregation had to know that that wasn't him it was just a very, very awkward thing, but it was a huge learning moment for us because again, I think it goes back to um, when you do bring people into the band, or uh, you have to have the courage to tell somebody if it's not up yep. to par, yep. or you're setting yourself up for failure, um, that that is the most awkward thing. I, I that is that amazing. Story.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. I will ever. Experience. <laughs> Cody, what about you, man? Uh, I don't know about most, but we'll go with most recent. Where, um, as, as we've as we've stated, Co- Cody has some options. In this yeah, we, we have a lot to of choose options. From. Uh <laughs> so you know we're we're in this series going ex uh exegetically through Romans and uh while we've been doing this uh, our small group has also been kind of tagging along for the most part with it um until recently um and our one of our guitarists Aaron is also our designated reader when we when we're at small group And he'll put his own embellishments on it and uh, read it dramatically. And every time he gets to a by no means, it's by no means. And, um, (laughs) so typically when we, when we leave the stage, we kind of, we, we sit on the side of the stage where we were standing. So he was opposite me in the auditorium sanctuary, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, And Bradley was reading the scripture for that week. And when he got to by no means, I sent Aaron a text in all caps of by no means, forgetting (laughs) that we were using Aaron's um, phone for the click track that week. And he forgot to put it on airplane mode. So it started buzzing on a metal music stand (laughs) in the middle of Bradley's sermon. So,
1: well at least it was silenced and the ding
0: didn't you know, go through the house or something like that. Right, right. So there it could have been worse, but that was also pretty funny. Uh, let's get our <laughs> uh get our final Inquisition question for this week. Brian Morris asks who killed Jeffrey Epstein? Um <laughs> and he 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 did follow that up with, you know, but for real, um how should Christians engage with conspiracy theories. Like that's I think that's a really good question uh, because you have different levels of conspiracy theories where you know Jeffrey Epstein or something like JFK being killed by the FBI or something like that are more plausible than say faking the moon landing or QAnon and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um so it's it's one of those things where I think I think personally we have to be careful with it. Not to make it the most important thing in the world this week. Because it's not. It, it just isn't. It, it is a big story. There are big implications. Uh, but it is also yeah. not the end of the world and it doesn't change the previous corruption that we already knew about within our own government. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is a, you know, it's, it's an institution that is run by humans that ultimately answers to God. And, you know, who, whoever is responsible for Jeffrey Epstein's maybe not suicide. Uh, there's some details coming out that mm, make it look like it maybe wasn't. Uh, yeah. Those people are going to answer to God one day. Um, and that's what we have to keep in mind with our current justice system.
1: Absolutely. One, uh, as I like to do, sometimes a piece of, uh, of pragmatic or, or at the very least humorous advice, Brian Morris, the truth.
2: Is out there.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I'm just sitting back with my popcorn, waiting for September with that Area 51 thing. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, who's gonna do the? It's uh... just—it's
1: gonna be—it's gonna be Burning Man, except this time it ends with fighter jets. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I gotta throw this in literal Burning Man, like
2: that's the <laughs> you know literal Burning uh, Man. Yes, I, I. I, I Love World War Two airplanes. I told yep. you about this game War Thunder. So mm-hmm. I saw this I saw this what are you uh, this uh, meme? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's when this whole Area Fifty One thing started. Um, and it said at the top in quotes, "They can't stop all of us at once." And the picture was of an A ten Warthog. <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom, at the bottom it says, "Laughs in burn." <laughs> <laughs> I just uh I love
1: it. oh my gosh
2: <laughs> no. I just, uh,
1: oh i'm gonna have to compress that
2: yeah <laughs> oh what are we recommending
1: you, you, this you. week um lars i was actually hoping that you would recommend your favorite decibel slash sound pressure level metering
2: measuring device oh man um you know uh, i i don't know if i have one because the we i i use um you know for for room analyzation i use the the rta and it's just on board you know uh, in the the roland board um for sound pressure i i mean we've got it's a cheap little radio shack thing i don't know how i don't know how accurate you know honestly i don't really care about the the accuracy, if it's a decibel or two off, it doesn't matter to me because it, it, that's what I'm used to. Sure. And it, it, if I stick to that, it's, you know, it, it, that's the consistency I need from one week to the next. Yeah. So, I, I mean, d- let's, let's spin it. Would
1: you, uh, would you recommend a standalone specific unit like the little radio shack thing or an app on your phone? If someone comes up holding like, like decibel x or something on their phone it was like look
2: see you're running it like 120 yeah nah. yeah you know like what i'm always very and and this maybe i might be wrong i could be wrong I, i'm i'm always skeptical of certain apps on phones because if you Dang think it. you know okay <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Not to say they can't be good or useful. I guess uh, uh, um, they can be very. I have plenty on my phone. But from like a, in that example of sound pressure, you know, whatever's reading the sound pressure in the room, the the little microphones on those on those phones are are so small. Yeah, I'm very yeah skeptical that those can actually be. Uh, um, uh, Accurate. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe technology has come so far that they can actually get, you know, good readings out of tiny little microphones like that. I but, don't know. But I just I tend to stick with, you know, uh, the handheld. Um, you know, something sure. I put on a little stand by the soundboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, there, there is a. I will say there was a question earlier about you know how do you the uh, uh, the sound level like do you have a policy? Mm-hmm. And I do use. Um, I'll pull it up right here. I do use an app that, uh, uh, it, it is reading the decibel, uh, level in the room, but it will, uh, construct, you know, if you have a one hour service, you just hit play. And at the end, it will tell you what was the average decibel mm-hmm. level for that service, not just the peaks and not yep. where it is right now, but what dosage of decibel did you give to the congregation? Mm-hmm. Um, because you know the higher the decibel amount the less time you should be exposed to that and i think that's a good um a little piece of ammunition when we do have people come up and say hey it was too loud well you know we stayed within this range and according to osha or whatever you know you're okay yeah you get more decibels mowing your lawn yeah yeah no uh no doubt about that well um, I'll
1: take this opportunity to uh, interrupt recommendations for a second to uh, to thank you for coming on the show, Lars. Well, well, it was and, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks Let's for time coming out your Friday morning to uh, record this with us, um, to our listeners. Sorry, uh, sorry, this is coming out late. We had some schedules to work around, but uh, we, you know, as always, we thank you for your patience. Um, as far as my recommendation this week, it's going to be a product recommendation. Um, recently, uh, I had been uh, kind of uh, uh, closely. Uh, introduced to a, a string manufacturing company out of nashville called Stringjoy, joy and uh, had a uh, had an event while i was down there and did some demos and i was very impressed with their manufacturing and qa and quality control process and uh, we just ordered a, a huge mess of strings uh, for uh, use here at the church and they uh, they were very good at communication along the way on such a large order uh, they, uh, they showed up, you know, personalized just like they do. So uh, if you're uh, looking to change up your string game um, and, uh, and want probably the, the best quality strings that I personally have ever used, uh, you know, check those out. I'm sure there are, uh, are many other boutique string uh, manufacturers throughout the United States that, uh, that you have your preferences on, but String Joy is mine. Uh, so I wanted to take this opportunity to share that and a shout-out to uh, Scott Marquart there and, uh, and to thank him for, uh, for making a good product.
0: Sweet. Well, I'm going to uh, take the traditional route and recommend a book. Uh, I'm in the middle of listening to uh, the audible version of the classic Christianity and Liberalism by J. Gresham Machen, who was instrumental in the uh, modernist controversy about 100 years ago within the Presbyterian Church. Mm -hmm. And he is very blunt uh, and also masterful at showing... Uh, you know, the modernist, you know, liberal interpretation, quote unquote, of Christianity uh, is really a different religion altogether. You know, if you have a different core message and a different Jesus, in their case, Jesus is still in the grave and only resurrected spiritually. And you can see the uh, modern examples uh, from the likes of uh, John Dominic Cross and I uh, uh, can't yep. remember the first name, but Spong. Um john shelby spong i don't know i don't know whatever uh but just showing like this isn't this isn't a secondary or audiophora issue this is this is the core and we need this primary and we need to contend for the faith once we're all delivered to the saints so uh, on that note make sure you follow us and comment on facebook and instagram Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review on iTunes. As always, we don't care if it's honest. Just give us five stars, even if you hate it. Uh, You can also support the show at anchor.fm, where you can donate money and help us improve the first five... No, I changed that. Uh, If you donate $10 a month for a year, you get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2 or the Wickliffe Fuzz. Uh, Ooh, hot dang. Yes, so make sure... You hit up westminsterfx.com and buy your pedals from me and go to anchor.fm to support the podcast. John, what are we ending the show with?
1: So every week, uh, we uh, shove a, even though we have this fancy multi rec recorder, we don't use it every week. We uh, we shove a flash drive into the console to record the sermon audio. uh, But to make things easier, you record the whole set. Um, I led uh, last week, which is uh, kind of a rarity for me. And uh, you did a great job, by the way. Well, thank you, Lars. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And uh, he, he and did I, not you know, mute your mic and actually sing through the system himself.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> there's precedence for that, but no. Um,
2: that will never happen again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll never put in that position
1: again you know we've heard from, you know stories of other people playing like guitar from the sound desk but never <laughs> never that that's a good one <laughs> um, well anyways I talked to our communications guy and I was like hey can I can I just get the uh, the flash drive with uh, with the whole audio on it just for some self-reflection and, and uh, betterment purposes and uh, turns out the uh, um, which is this is not always the case that the uh, the room mix actually sounds good well, recorded flat well these are the direct outs yeah these are yeah and, uh, and, and it's, it's summed to stereo. Like, we have no multi-track. It just is what it is. And it actually sounds all right. So I'm going to master a, uh, um, our, uh, our recording of uh, Yes, I Will uh, that we did live last Sunday by Vertical Worship. And uh, throw that on there. One of my favorite new songs. And uh, that's what will send us out this week. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: It's been a good time. Thank you, Lars, for uh, coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Don't fail.